This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Good evening. Welcome to the Sunday Night Sex Show. It's a gorgeous day, and I am so happy to be here in the studio. I want to start out with a big congratulations to my sidekick here, Matt, for uh, graduating uh, tonight. We're going to get to that in one second, but uh, I'm going to talk to you about, uh, you know, how some like it hot. Especially those of us who live in the world of the secret society known as sex. The one where everyone is doing it and no one is talking about it. Except, of course, yours truly here every Sunday night on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980. CKNW, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. But remember, this is more than a sex show. I just seduce you to listen to information about health, relationships, love, and your body under the guise of sex, because guess what? Everything is related to sex. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician in North Vancouver, for those of you who always ask me that question, a TED speaker about the sexless marriage, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, love, relationships, and your health. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies, just fearless, straight-up talk about sex and health. So hopefully you will find this information helpful, illuminating, educational, and hopefully, if you're lucky, it will get you thinking outside of the box, so do Stay with me. I want to send our love and thoughts to London. I don't like to hear of any travesties like that. And so sadly, we've lost a Canadian from Castlegar. I'm terribly uh, upset about that. Uh, Also, there's another aspect of sexual health that is dark, and that is sexual abuse, unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia, and rape. For those of you who have experienced this trauma, this tragedy, this societal malignancy, you are never far from my heart, and I keep you always in my thoughts and prayers and wish you all the best on your healing journey. Good evening, Matt, and congratulations to you. Thank you very much. We had a little party, though, didn't we, to celebrate just before the show? Yeah, you got me a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> What a, uh, yeah. It just makes sense. I mean, you are the the host of a sex show, right? What else was I going to get you? A hamburger? (laughs) (laughs) A hot dog just seemed perfectly appropriate. A Chicago dog, actually, with the onions, the relish, and the mustard. I I love myself some street meat, so... Absolutely. Who doesn't? Anyway. <laughs> well, you've graduated. That's fantastic. So you're officially a, a broadcaster now? Yeah. So my official graduation is this month, but I got my grades back on Friday and I passed everything. So, you passed everything. Yeah. 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 All A's, straight A's? Um, Something like that. Oh, excellent. Yes. <laughs> yes. D for darn good. D's get degrees. D's de- get degrees. That's for darn sure. Anyway. <laughs> I was an A student myself. <laughs> I love school. Anyway, (laughs) I'm still learning. I like lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Lunch is good, too. It's just lunch. You don't have to actually... I've been asked a lot lately about matchmaking um, people. And in fact, I'm speaking this Friday at an event out in Langley. And uh, it's to a a crew of older... I I, I believe they're seasoned people. And uh, they want to know about matchmaking after perhaps their spouse has passed on or if they find themselves, uh, you know, single or divorced. 
in the later years, in the sunset years of life. So they said, can you talk about that? I'm like, I can talk about anything. <laughs> of course I can. But that's not the only matchmaking that I do. I don't know if you saw that I have a new job, a new position, a new contract, a new piece of work, call it what you want, uh, with the British Columbia Innovation Council. Oh, no, I don't know that. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur in residence in EIR. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. And I matchmake, which I love that. When they said that, I'm like, I can relate to that. Okay, so we're matchmaking those in healthcare with, um, because it's an EIR, in health, in health, basically. So those who are in healthcare, whatever issues that they have, I'm matchmaking them with innovation and technology companies. So to further advance the progress of healthcare for citizens of British Columbia. So if you have a problem in healthcare and you have a company, let's say, I mean, a lot of people have problems in healthcare, so it's not matching people with with innovative technologies, but it's actually matching like clinics, community clinics, or um, really anything uh, within the healthcare system. That uh, lots falls in that, or if you're want, looking to develop an app, perhaps, or having challenges, you know, those are the kinds of things that um, to to streamline, to make efficiencies, to improve logistics, perhaps, um, to impu- improve the patient experience. So, all sorts of things. So, I'm very excited about that. And uh, anyway, as I stay within my realm of of matchmaking and and that kind of thing, I've always wanted to be a matchmaker. That's like a little bit of a dream of mine. Well, I'm single if you didn't know that. So, um... Matt, you only remind me every single week. Okay, <laughs> but but I may have some. Listen, I have three Irish lassies staying at my house. Okay, for three weeks, and they are absolute dolls. They are they're a little younger than you are, like a lot younger. So. <laughs> But anyway, it has just been a bl- don't ask me how I got them, but anyway, let me just say turn your water off in your <laughs> condos please so that <laughs> so that other people's apartments don't flood. But anyhow, that seems to be. But any, nonetheless, you know what everything in life happens for the best. I firmly believe that and I've just loved the fact that um that we're that these three Young lassies are staying uh, in our home, and uh, we're having an absolute blast with them. And, and hopefully, I'll have an Irish accent by the time they're they're gone. <laughs> I'm working on it's not working too well, but um, yeah. So it's nice to have uh, people around and people who love Vancouver and are really loving the city. So that's great. Anyway, you never know, Matt. But uh, I always have you in the back of my mind, thinking about fixing you up with uh, somebody. So, but speaking of men and some of the difficulties men have, like you don't want to get married too soon, Matt, because divorce is lurking around the corner. <laughs> Just kidding. But tonight we're going to talk about how men really cope after divorce, because men are not socialized to express their feelings, to talk about their feelings, to understand what has gone on. Well, they understand, perhaps, they haven't necessarily processed it. And so I'm seeing a lot of patients in my clinical practice post-divorce. And some of the issues, sometimes they're five and ten years out from the divorce. Sometimes you guys sign away parental rights, even though I tell you not to do that. But anyway, we'll talk about that. And what are some of the things that sex therapists deal with in uh, their clinical practices? So what are some of the most common things that I see couples struggling with in the bedroom? It will shock you, but I bet you'll be able to relate to it. I'm not the only one. And also, we're going to be talking about dying by suicide. I continue that conversation about uh, depression and men, and also take a look at that in uh, mature gay and bisexual men as well, and its relationship to 
dying by suicide. And are you a minimalist, Matt, or do you like to be surrounded by clutter? Um, now I'm a minimalist for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I read that article you posted today. That well, was, was it know, the Boston Globe? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the Bostonian homes are very different than the homes here, but lots of little rooms, you know, <laughs> stuffed with stuff everywhere. But I actually went into an open house recently, and it was like, the, even the realtor was laughing, because the office um, was just a complete and cluttered mess like you couldn't find anything but some people can work very well that way i understand that there's a brain that works like that it just happens not to be my brain but that's okay but you couldn't even imagine how anyone could get any work done in there so we're going to be talking about uh be decluttering i I actually like to say my middle name is ruth it's not but that's because it's ruthless because i throw everything away i give everything away if i don't need it it is gone if i think it's ridiculous it is gone every now and again though i buy something i'm just like Ugh, that I don't have to have, and but anyway, and you're under, you're in a certain situation. Like I was this week, I was actually sick all week. I had to go to a conference on Monday and Tuesday, and I was sick. So I was, it was at the Western. And I, I had to walk out. It was the hottest day of the year, and I was freezing. I had a fever, and you're, those conference rooms are they put the air conditioning on full blast. So I had to walk down there on Billionaires Row. And um, go, try and find a store that had a blanket, perhaps, I thought that I could wrap myself up in. Anyway, it was delirious. I didn't even ask the hotel if I could have a, a blanket. But anyway, I ended up having to buy a sweater that I didn't necessarily need, but it was the light, least expensive thing on that seawall. It was about $250 for a sweater. Anyway, it's a boating sweater, so that makes a big difference. <laughs> Anyway, um, but getting back to what we're going to be talking about tonight on my TEDx talk, which is called No Sex Marriage, Masturbation, Cheating, Loneliness, and Shame. One of the most common uh, comments on that comment feed of about 5,000 comments was that, you know, I rocked back and forth. But probably the second most common one was Maureen needs a new bra. (laughs) So I have to admit, I have a drawer full of bras, (laughs) but I don't like to wear them. But anyway, and so now... I may not have to wear one. I may not have to take their advice and go and get a new one. I changed my dress at the last minute on that no sex, on that TEDx talk, and that's why the bra wasn't exactly right. I feel horribly guilty. Anyway, um, also we're going to be talking about vaginal health and the latest laser therapy for vaginal dryness, painful sex, and, uh, oh, did I mention to put the kids to bed? Oh, sorry. Anyway, do put the kids to bed, but that is a health issue. We've got to be able to say the right words, the correct anatomical words, and vagina is one of them. Um, and so this, in turn, uh, if you have vaginal dryness and painful sex and you get that treated, and especially using a, the latest in technology, which is laser therapy, the Mona Lisa Touch, it takes five minutes, it's no, anyway, I'll tell you all about it, but it will actually lead you to be a better lover and you'll want to explore more and be a little bit more creative. So I'm going to be talking about that as well. Uh, so I'll probably go into the bra thing when I get back. But um, ladies, we're going to be talking about the girls when I get back. I also do have a prize to give away. I, don't, I can't remember what it is, so I'll have to look at that later. Keep in mind, I'm blonde. Um, the memory is very short. Uh, but I'll let you know. So you can give us a call if you have any questions, 604 280 or star 9898 on your cell. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you for joining with me. 
joining me tonight. It's always my pleasure to be here with you to educate you about certain things. Now, I'm inclined and I want to say, like, how are the girls? But you know what? If I... (laughs) I will go against my own advice and wisdom and the conventional wisdom, which is to call all of the body parts the correct names. Just a reminder to put your children to bed just in case. But um, so how are the breasts? How are the breasts feeling in a bra? Is it time to burn the bra again? Well, scientists have uh, learned recently in a study out of France, actually, at the University of Comte in the eastern town of Bensicon, they conducted a 15-year study on the effect of bras on 330 women aged 18 to 35. And the team of researchers found that the women who did not wear bras have, guess what? Can you take a guess, Matt? Firmer breasts. No, no, not firmer. No? no. <laughs> What's the best kind of breasts to have? <laughs> Perky. Perky. <laughs> Perkier breasts, okay. By uh, in the study, women that stopped wearing bras by choice, not as a requirement of the study, which is interesting, had a seven millimeter lift in their nipples. Now we're not talking uh, <laughs> a tremendous amount, but when we're talking nipples, that's fair, fairly um, big lift. It's a point zero point three inch lift when compared with regular bra users, because they theorize that. The bra can hamper circulation and reduce breast tone over time. So apparently um, you're not too far off on the firmness there. But, um, and this, is, this has been thought uh, in the past as well. And it's also been thought that not wearing a bra could lead to increased collagen production and elasticity, which improves the lift in a developing breast. So they're actually suggesting that um, younger women don't start wearing a bra too long and certainly don't wear a constricting bra, one that is really tight. And of course, there are a lot of those that are tight, lift, separate, you know, the whole thing. And there's a there's one on, on uh, the internet now that is like, you know, if you, it's like lacing it up and then, I forget the name of it, but anyway, lacing it up and it pulls the, br- the breasts together and lifts them up to give supreme cleavage. Um, but perhaps you don't want to wear that for such a long time. Um, you know, it can be pretty freeing to take that bra off at the end of the day. They can, they have a tendency to be constricting and, uh, even a good bra can tug or pinch or shave. So, you know, and also it can, um, add to that back fat, push that back fat out. But, um, the, Bras, apparently, according to the study, don't do anything to improve the ho- the overall health or appearance of your breasts. I'm not 100% on that one, but anyway, um, it can improve circulation if you go braless. So when you remove your bra, of course, there's no more constricting. There's no more constriction of um, the blood vessels uh, that because um, there's a band around your chest. So your circul- circulation improves. And whenever circulation improves, things get better, firmer, fuller, bigger. Uh, and also, as I said, your breasts will be perkier. So, and it also feels better. And, you know, you can have just a little bit of a closer relationship with your breasts if you um, <laughs> go braless. This is according to the study. I'm not so sure about that. But, um, you know, there's something very sexy about uh, showing nipples through T-shirts. And, and why should we be covering up our breasts anyway and, and covering up our nipples? Uh, you know, it's, it's part of femininity and, and our sexuality. And there's this whole, uh, there's always been this, um, you know, women should cover 
their bodies, certain parts of their bodies and, and their breasts, and men don't have to cover up their nipples. And um, so anyway, there's something uh, to be said for that. So it's it's definitely something to uh, think about, perhaps to try. And there is a little bit of evidence to support that uh, if you wear a bra, if you are a bra wearer, you may face a higher cancer risk, uh, in particular breast cancer. And so according to a study of 4,000 women, medical anthropologists found that women who wore their bras 24 hours a day had a three out of four chance of developing breast cancer. Uh, so there's, um, you know, there's lots to, to think about in terms of that. There's uh, other choices, to ways to go braless, and one is the bralette. I know that Aritzia sells those, and also bodysuits, um, you know, can stand alone and be worn as a supplement to a bra or in, in exchange for a bra. And um, But, uh, you know, kind of exercise tops might be more beneficial. Anyway, so there are some other choices and, and certainly just letting those girls run free. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show at News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. It's always my pleasure to be here with you. I'm a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, in case this is the first time you have uh, heard me speaking on the air. And I don't know where you've been for the past five years, but I've been here. (laughs) Somebody said to me tonight, oh, have you been doing this show for a while? I said, yes. And he said, uh oh, I'm not sure if I've listened to you, but I've listened to a sex show here. And I'm like, well, I'm the only, has it been in the last five years? He said, yes. I said, well, I do believe it was me. I don't think there's another sex show here, uh, unless they haven't told me. Anyway, uh, so I also have a clinical practice in North Vancouver on Lonsdale. So uh, if you need to come and see me over there, you certainly can. I deal with all sorts of issues over there. I just, I'm just saying this because I get asked this question all the time because everybody thinks that I am in the media. <laughs> <laughs> which is like a small portion of what I do all week. Um, but I I am preparing for it. I'm testing things out, of course, um, for you. I do it in the interest of science and research. <laughs> and uh, But also, um, so I, I, I do, of course, I work in the sexual health field. So, of course, I do prep for this show all week long, um, but during the week I do clinical practice, I do consulting, I work with the British, British Columbia Innovation Council, I do matchmaking, and I do a lot of speaking. And um, so I spoke yesterday at an event at the Zilli Health Conference that was at the Convention Center, and uh, and that was great. Um, talking to the women about the Womanizer, which is my favorite sex toy and should be yours too. Uh, I'll tell you after 9 o'clock what it is. It might be too early to tell you the exact uh, mechanism of the womanizer, but, you know, I love it because we've reclaimed that word. That used to be a word that was associated with pain. Womanizers are typically or historically um, uh, philanderers and, you know, cheaters, and they have a string of women, and uh, so we've reclaimed that, and we've turned that into pleasure. So... Um, I'm glad about that, but I'll go a little bit more into the womanizer on the second hour of the show once I know that you put the children to bed, once the sun has set, and uh, then you can put the kids to bed. Um, and later on in the program, we'll be talking about uh, if you can put your iPhones down. I, it, was, it was very poignant I was, as I was driving here, and I don't really have a long drive to get here, and I saw three times mothers with strollers uh, walking across West Georgia, 
with um, their iPhone in between them and their baby, which is so sad because, you know what, it's it's a symbolic of uh, a disconnect and it's symbolic of something coming in between you and your baby. And, you know, the baby's brain actually needs to connect the, uh, to the mom. And when the mother is on an, on an iPhone as, or texting as you're walking, um, you know, it's, it's really sad. And, and we're going to be talking about the effects of the digital addiction on children's behaviors a little bit later on in the program. Matt, you're shaking your head up and down. Yeah. And you don't even have kids. No, no. <laughs> it's funny. It's, I saw an article when I was over and doing my internship and there was a group of students, I can't remember where they were from, but they set up two Wi-Fi routers and next to it they placed seeds, like just regular grass seeds or something. And they Mm -hmm. left it there for 13 weeks. One was watered, was not near a router. The other one was placed between two. Not only did the seeds not grow for the ones that were next to a router, some of them mutated. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, interesting. And it was only something like a it was like a six week test or something. Wow, wow! Yeah. And that time goes by so quickly too. And you know you can't get that time back that you have been texting somebody. And you know texting is arousing. You know people, it's addictive. It's arousing, uh, you know, and then it can lead into the sexting. And you know, but when you cannot push a baby stroller with two hands, there's something wrong. You know, um, so we have you have to think about that. But anyway, I'll get into that a little bit uh, in the a little bit later on in the program because right now I want to talk about vaginal health. And when I was talking to the ladies yesterday about some of the former little toys that you could bake a cake with, practically, and uh, move on to the the womanizer, which is so much better. Um, but uh, I want to talk about vaginal health because vaginal health is really important especially in terms of sexual health. It'll help you to experience sensation that much better. It'll help you to enjoy sex more so. And um, But you know what? A big problem, and it affects upwards of 50, 60, 70% of women, depending on what studies you look at. And it can happen, for the most part, it happens for to women in the menopausal years, but it can also happen during the perimenopause, which is the years leading up to menopause. It can happen when you're pregnant, but although it's not, this treatment is not recommended for that. But vaginal dryness can happen uh, postpartum and breastfeeding as well. But you want to stay away from this particular treatment when you have that. I just want to say that there are many times in a woman's reproductive life, and, and especially when her reproductive life ends, that she can get vaginal dryness. And that can lead to painful sex. And then that leads to low sexual desire, decreased sensation, and also difficulty to experience orgasm. So there is a new therapy out there because the the traditional therapies have been low-dose localized estrogen therapy in the form of a cream, a tablet, or a ring that is inserted into the vagina for three months. Now, many women are not comfortable using estrogen, even though it's low-dose and it is in the vagina, and it uh, typically does not cross into the systemic system. But Women who've had reproductive cancers or breast cancers, especially if they're estrogen-based, are not comfortable using those. There's also personal moisturizers. And the other thing about low-dose localized estrogen therapies, I heard a woman say yesterday it never worked for her. For 10 years she tried it and it didn't work. Any medication, even including this, if it doesn't work, don't use it. Uh, There's another option, which is personal moisturizers. Now, the only one that's approved by Health Canada is Gynotroph. It has a very unsexy name, and I've certainly spoken to the president of the company about that, and he didn't want to change the name. But anyway, so I I lost there. But, but, you know, it's a whole lot easier to buy something that sounds good than 
anyway, but he and I joke about that. Gynotroph, but it is a great product and it has hyaluronic acid in it and vitamin E. It helps to keep the tissues elastic, which vaginal tissues should be elastic and moist. They should be able to stretch. The vagina should be dynamic. And um, so Gynotroph is the only one that I would use because it is recommended by Health Canada. There's also, uh, is approved by Health Canada. Sorry, not recommended. I made a mistake. Finally. Um, but anyway, there's also Repigyne, which is a personal moisturizer. It's an ovule. Uh, so those are inserted into the vagina. And so that's good because that's where the vagina, uh, you know, vaginal dryness occurs. But you can get labial dryness as well, or the vulva, which is the outside of the vagina. Of the vagina. Everybody thinks that the vagina is the outside. Anyway, that's why anatomy is really important. So you can insert the Repigyne and that ovule will melt into your, in your vagina and also the Gynotroph. You can insert that with a plunger and um, those are available at, well, the Gynotroph is available at London Drugs on the shelf. So kudos to those guys for making it available for women, I have to say. So that's a, a, a treatment option, but it doesn't work for everybody either. And also you have to take that two or three times a week and some people forget and they, you know, and so your vagina will just become dry again if you don't consistently use it. So some people don't want the inconvenience of, of all of that. Um, and, and so there's a, they're always coming up with advances. And I'm so glad to see when there are advances in women's health because we have not come a long way, baby. Let me tell you about that. Um, it's, you know, we're only the last 15 years been involved in clinical trials. And so we any help we can get. So there's a Mona Lisa Touch, and it's an innovative laser procedure. And um, it's actually out of Italy, and it delivers fractional CO2 laser energy to the vaginal wall tissue. And we had an event in my clinical practice this week. I had such a crazy week, and I was really sick all week. <laughs> and I couldn't say no to any, I couldn't not attend anything. So I just went out and made everybody else sick. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so we had an event in my clinical practice this week, and uh, one of the women, because we brought this clinical technology into my practice over in North Vancouver. I work with uh, OBGYNs over there, obstetrician gynecologists, and uh, Dr. Stephen Kay and Dr. Carolyn Donnelly. And so they've brought this technology into the office, and, and we've actually, there's 18 clinical trials on this particular technology clinical studies. Um, but we've, you know, you want to do your own patients, right? So we've done some of our own patients. We just started about six weeks ago and, and maybe eight weeks ago. And a couple of patients have had two treatments. And I was delighted to um, hear that uh, the women were reporting after the second treatment, it, it requires you to have the Mona Lisa touch is um, it's simple. It takes five minutes. There's no side effects. Um, it's, it's at one treatment every six weeks. And um, the one, the two women were there, and they had had two procedures, and both of them had said that their lubrication had improved, the moisturization, sex, sex was no longer painful, and also one had been wearing um, pads every day, a number four pad, she said, every day for four years, and it was the first day that she didn't need to use a pad because she wasn't leaking with coughing and sneezing. They are doing some studies on that, on the light bladder leakage and, and whether or not Mona Lisa demonstrates effectiveness. So always uh, doing the research studies, and that's what I'd like to base my direction to you on is the research studies. So the Mona Lisa Touch is um, 
is a laser technology. It takes a, just a few minutes. You obviously have to be examined by a gynecologist first to ensure that you are a candidate for this. When I was speaking at the event yesterday and I, and I talked about the Mona Lisa Touch, this laser therapy for vaginal dryness, sexual pain, and potentially light bladder leakage. Um, there was a woman in the audience, and she said she had had it done, and it was it was fantastic. And, and another patient said she said she was 57 years old or something, but her vagina was 30. I thought that was pretty, <laughs> pretty good. Anyway, and maybe she's only had two treatments, so maybe after a third, her vagina will be 20. <laughs> Turning back the clock on your vagina, I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here, registered nurse in the field of sexual health, educating you tonight uh, all about all sorts of subjects related to sex and relationships. Uh, if you have anything you'd like me to talk about, you can pop me an email at uh, sextalk at cknw.com. If you have any questions at all, 604 280 or star 9898 on your cell. It's a gorgeous night out there tonight as we here are here in the downtown studios of uh, CKNW. Uh, you know, the past few weeks I've been talking a lot about uh, male mental health, if you will, and, and depression in men. And, um, you know, I also, I don't know if you know this about me, but I just feel that people should live true to themselves. I think that's really important. I think when you live a secret or a lie, I think it's uh, especially about your sexuality or who you are or what you like to try or explore or if you have a fetish. Um, I had a patient in my clinical practice, a couple, who he didn't want to have sex with his wife. I mean, this was the most gorgeous couple you've ever seen in your entire life. And not that that matters. I know that uh, it's not just gorgeous people that have sex, but you would, but that's sort of the myth that only, only pretty people have sex. Um, but it's not true at all. But, uh, but you would think that they had it all. They did have it all. They had a great house and great cars and a vacation home and beautiful kids and family to help and great jobs. And, uh, but he didn't want to have sex with her. And she felt uh, terrible, terrible about herself. She had low sexual self-esteem. She, she was lonely. She was frustrated. She was confused. She tried everything uh, from sexy clothing to AM sex, afternoon delight. Uh, she had listened to the show, and that's why they came in to see me. And uh, he would make some comments about... Um, that he wished she had a bigger booty and um, bigger bottom, I should say. Is that anatomical? And she didn't really understand that until she found him online uh, and uh, looking at porn fairly obsessively. And every woman had a large booty. And so this um, gentleman had a booty fetish and he was ashamed about it and he was embarrassed and he, um, you know, it, it impacted his relationship. Obviously, he that was was tied to anxiety for him, and he loved his wife, and he wanted to remain with his wife. She also found him on Match dot com. She thought that he um, probably was. Well, she questioned him. You know, was he looking for somebody else? And he swore up and down he wasn't. And um, so she uh, believed that, which is um, you know when you hear hooves. Think horses. Somebody's not on Match.com if they don't want to find somebody. There's obviously troubles in the relationship, but um, this this man uh, 
had a lot of difficulties and um, would didn't know how to express uh, his feelings. And he thought there was something wrong with him because of this fetish. He was very confused. He he thought that he loved his wife, but he wasn't sure because he was obsessed about wanting to have sex with. But he said he had never actually acted on that um, on that either. And he also um, had a fear that he might be bisexual. He wasn't sure. And he, so, because she had also found him looking at um, porn um, of men, you know, largely involved um, with men. And um, so he was not sure about his sexuality. And so here he was married with a few kids and living in the burbs and uh, not having sex and, and, and with his wife and potentially seeking sex elsewhere. He wasn't uh, sure about anything. And so he was fearful that he might be bisexual, yet he was afraid to express that sexuality, um, which is interesting. He ended up with anxiety and his children were diagnosed with anxiety because as I say, anxiety is contagious. Contagious. You have to know that. You can see if your children are anxious, take a look at yourselves. See if you are experiencing anxiety. And also anxiety is the biggest hidden mental illness. It's the most common mental illness we have in Canada. But, you know, people would rather have uh, terminal illnesses than anxiety. And a psychiatrist told me that once. And that that is pretty true. Because if I suggest people have anxiety in my clinical practice, um, they will, everybody will deny it. That is the last thing on earth people want to have. But, but certainly when you don't live true to yourself, you may experience anxiety. And there's many, many other reasons that you may experience anxiety. You may have a genetic predisposition to anxiety. You may have grown up in a very anxious household. Uh, you may be an adult child of an alcoholic, and uh, those children raised in adult child of alcoholic homes or ACOAs often experience anxiety or depression or both, um, and people who do not live true to themselves. And there's a study um, of mature gay and bisexual men and suicide. And gay and bisexual men, according to the study, um, die by suicide at a rate three times higher than the general population. So since men are less likely to be diagnosed with depression, but are four times as likely to die by suicide, and then gay men are three times more likely to um, die by suicide than the general population, uh, this is a serious issue. Although gay and bisexual men seek mental health care more frequently than heterosexual men, they are more likely to have attempted and succeeded at suicide. And suicide has surged to the highest level in, in nearly three decades. And it was particularly steep for women. And it's interesting that, you know, the more women got, if you will, you know, the ability to work inside and outside of the home and, um, you know, but we, we weren't able to actually shed some of those household duties. Um, it, uh, it increased substantially for middle-aged people as well. And that group's suicide rates had been falling, um, or at least stable, since the 1950s. So the majority of gay and bisexual men maintain good mental health, but compared to other men, they are at greater risk for mental health problems. And I dare I say that it is about not being able to express your sexuality 
um, truly to be true to yourself. And one group of researchers found that 12% of urban gay and bisexual men have attempted suicide, which is shocking. And that is three times higher than the overall rate for American men. And about 50% of those had reported multiple attempts. And what belies dying by suicide or attempting to die by suicide? It's that sense of hopelessness. And there's also something called the suicidal brain, and that is not necessarily something that was looked at in this particular study, but um, that's something else. I'll probably talk about that in an upcoming show. But there is something described by psychiatrists known as the predicament suicide. So in the absence of a diagnosable mental health condition, as circumstances that they face from which they can't find an, an acceptable escape, often you see it when somebody is in financial crisis or um, in forced marriages or forced divorces, uh, for that matter. And the decision to come out at midlife may represent such a predicament. And older men feel that they are sacrificing everything they once valued and feeling there is no one with whom they can speak about it. That's why it's important that we raise boys to be able to express their feelings, to have someone um, they can go to. Some of the things that account for mental health issues for older gay men are homophobia, stigma, discrimination, social isolation, lack of trust in healthcare providers, lower income, alcoholism, illegal drug use, and HIV. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.